welcome to episode two, Women Empowering Tech with Andrea Plessa, Chief Customer Success Officer of Druid. Uh, technology has revolutionized the way we communicate and do business forever. It empowers human beings to reach their full potential as individuals and collectively to create a better future for everyone. And although we live in times of the best opportunities, the tech industry is still heavily male dominated. Nevertheless, women have played an increasingly important and critical role in this technology revolution, leading to more diversity and inclusion in the tech industry. Let's think about Ada Lovelace, the world's first computer programmer, Grace Hooper, or Hopper, an esteemed computer scientist, Annie Easley, NASA rocket scientist, Adele Goldberg, the creator of the first programming language, which was the inspiration of the very first Apple computer, and more besides. Women are empowering tech in so many ways by innovating and developing new products to address customer needs, encouraging diversity and inclusion in the workplace, advocating for ethical technology practices and leadership opportunities, connecting with various stakeholders from different backgrounds to create well -rounded, a well-rounded view of the industry and inspiring future generations of women to pursue careers in tech. Our guest today, Andrea Plesser, co-founder and Global VP, Chief Customer Success Officer at Druid, has a strong representation in the tech industry, in AI, and is a keen supporter of dreams coming true, as she firmly believes that a dream is not gender-driven, but is driven by passion and ambition. Andrea, welcome. Thank you, Karen. Nice intro. <laughs> very, very motivating. Much. <laughs> it should be because you've set an example to so many people. I love successful individuals in the tech industry because they inspire others to be successful as well. I'm going to lean into the first question, Andre, if you don't mind. For sure. those who don't know you, could you tell us a little bit more about you, your role and your career journey to date, please? Okay, so um, in Druid, I had so many roles. So I started from um, a developer and coordinating the development team. Then I took on the role of building the professional services team, so the delivery team, once we had our first customer signed. Uh, afterwards, together with the, um, uh, the first sales, I started the sales process uh, with Livio, our CEO. Um, then I was the chief growth officer, so responsible for building up the sales teams. And now I'm building the customer success team and uh, working closely to our customers in getting their feedback, um, working with the product management team in order to take that feedback further to the product itself. And then um, finding new solutions for automations within the customer digital journey. So you are not bored any day of the week no. by the signs of things. I'm not. <laughs> not at all. Well, if I ask you maybe a second question, have you always been clear about what profession you wanted to pursue? And I know you've got a PhD as well in AI. Was that a natural progression as well as part of your career plan? Yes, so uh, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to be a developer. My mom was a developer as well. So uh, I wanted to become a developer. Uh, first, I wanted to uh, study Polytechnic University, but because I didn't uh, like uh, too much physics, and physics was one of the, uh, uh, the curricula that was required to, to enter university, 
I decided to go um, on computer business uh, studies, so um, in Bucharest Academy of Economic uh, Studies, and I studied cybernetics there and informatics. Uh, so uh, I knew that I wanted to become a developer. Um, I liked artificial intelligence. It was one of the uh, curricula that was studied in university as well. Uh, the dean of the university proposed me to have a PhD in uh, semantics web because this is what he was currently uh, at that time researching. So it's now, I think, uh, 11 years since I graduated PhD. Uh, and uh, I really enjoyed this field. Um, I, I had some, in, during the PhD, I had some uh, short period uh, working in a uh, university, in Politecnica University in Rome, in Tor Vergata. And the director for this uh, program, PhD in AI, was uh, a woman, uh, Maria Teresa Pacienza. Um, she, was a, she is a teacher uh, of the AI, uh, and she works in the field of semantic web. So um, I, I enjoyed a lot uh, this, this field, and uh, I think it was uh, seven years after when we started Druid, and it was kind of in connection with what, what I have studied for my PhD thesis. Excellent. I'll ask my next question then. Uh, you've been a co-founder of a really hot tech startup. You mentioned Lever earlier on, but there was a business before Druid as well. You have surely lived through some very exciting times. What's your favorite memory from all the times building this successful startup and your startup career to date? Um, so in the past, I was working uh, in Livio's first company and I started as a junior developer, then a team leader. Um, I worked in a Bel Belgium company uh, as a developer, uh, as part of a project uh, from TotalSoft for, um, I think, four months. It was in Ghent. That was a period that I really liked because it was a uh, mix between travel and tech and it was a, a cutting edge technology back then that we used. Also, another uh, project that I love, and uh, it was with Servier Pharma, where we have uh, started a new, uh, it was the cutting edge technology back then. We created from scratch uh, an application in JavaScript for uh, Windows tablets. Uh, and um, uh, I, I built a strong relation with uh, with Servier, and now they were our second customer in Druid, so they are very innovative, they are embracing latest technology. Yesterday we integrated Druid with GPT-3 for them. So they are. Um, these are the memories that I like, working with the innovation customers that embrace technology and uh, uh, help me on one hand develop as an individual because I learn a lot from our customers. What a journey, what an exciting <laughs> journey of travel and tech and programming and making an impact. You, you must have dealt with hundreds of companies looking to deploy AI by now. Uh, what are the most frequent challenges that you've heard from all these companies? And how have you addressed those challenges with those stakeholders? So a challenge comes especially from the IT departments. I know it sounds weird, but um, IT departments say or see AI not as a 
technology that will make their life easier, but as a burden, because there is something that they need, an additional system that they need to train, an additional system they need to maintain. Now, the key in a good digitalization is to convince the business of the need to have this digital journey, of the advantages that the digital journey brings, of the fact that it doesn't take your job, at least not for the moment. It makes your job easier and much exciting. And um, I think this is um, the, so the challenge is to convince IT departments that IT uh, that um, uh, a, a platform that can be easily used by the business to train is not a burden for them because the business can take the role of a trainer for an AI model. Which is quite innovative for IT departments to get because that, that pushes us toward what I would describe, Andrea's the low-code, no-code no movement code. where citizen developers start to really scale IT across the organization. It sounds like that's highly possible with the technology that you're putting into these companies. Definitely, yes. And we have customers that uh, embraced this platform, even uh, customers without having a background, a technical background, like HR um, responsibles that are conforming, um, uh, training the models. But also, we have people in our organization, in Druid, uh, and I would like to promote because we are in a, uh, an event that is dedicated to, to women. It's in March where it's the women, <laughs> let's say, month of the year. And we have some lovely ladies in our company that even though they are coming from totally different backgrounds, like, for instance, the serial trade companies or retailer companies, they were so much, um, uh, they, they got the flavor of the platform that fast and now they are configuring APIs in Druid, they are configuring virtual assistant, language models, some are in the uh, in the uh, product management part, they are doing demos, use cases, which uh, doesn't require a technical background and they completely change their career journey. Something similar can be done with the employees of a company as well. Wow. I love the excitement in your voice around what you're talking about. If I ask you the next question, then what excites you most about the technology that you're working with? Uh, this is a tricky question because there are so many things that are exciting me. So, uh, for instance, uh, the way you promote it in front of your customers, the feedback you get. Uh, from the customers and how you, you have to integrate it, how you keep pace with what developments are coming. I mentioned earlier about GPT-3. This is definitely generative uh, conversational AI. is definitely a disruptor in the space. And I was uh, actually, I was thinking yesterday, I have two, two boys. One is six and the other is five months old. And I was thinking uh, after analyzing GPT-3, what jobs should I uh, encourage my my older one to take? What curricula he should be um, guided towards? Because I don't know what will be the job, uh, the jobs or the job market in 10 years, not even in five years from now. So this That's is besides me, the, the fact that you, you don't stop learning, uh, you don't stop uh, finding new things and you have to put your creativity 
most at work rather than uh, simply doing uh, hard work. It's kind of interesting that as a parent, it is difficult because you want your children prepared for a future of work. And, and, you know, I think we're going to have to embrace these technologies as opposed to fighting them. So I love that you're thinking that little bit forward. But if I were to ask you the next question, then where is AI going? You know, we see a lot of these latest advancements, as you mentioned a moment ago, in generative AI and chat GPT in DALI and lots of others with your knowledge of business and AI and being able to read the industry, what would you predict is going to happen? Where is the world going to be in numbers of years time? So I believe uh, you actually sent an email this morning about uh, the, the progress in AI and how it may, um, uh, let's say, have an impact on humanity. And uh, there was a researcher um, that was um, saying there that there should be some re regulations, some policies in place, because if in the past uh, it seemed such, uh, it, it seemed to, uh, unlikely to happen that uh, AI can sometimes take over the control, now we are a step further for that moment with the chat GPT and the others. You saw that chat GPT can, I don't know, you ask uh, uh, paint me a, um, a cow on a, on a lane and then make it as a cartoon. So the graphician work is not anymore uh, something that is uh, only for human. Similar for writing an essay or writing a PhD thesis even. So I think that there should be some control be uh, on the progress of AI. And I think that people should work closely with robots, but they should still keep the control and be creative enough to put a limit at some point. Uh, when we're, we're talking about those limits, Andrea, I suppose that's the balance always, isn't it? That if we put the brakes in innovation, then we're not going to make the progress we want as a society. But if we are not conscious of ethics and the impact on roles and planning for the future, then we're in danger of destroying things. I think someone said recently that generative AI could have the same impact as tractors did taking thousands and thousands of people off the land and putting them into factories. I, I wonder, do you see the same thing? Is generative AI and similar technologies, that is that what you're referring to, that that's the danger that suddenly thousands of jobs in offices could be destroyed and therefore, what is the purpose or what is the role of people going forward? The people going further should train the AI. <laughs> if we are talking about this, uh, let's say, taking over uh, control. I don't think that uh, it will be that much of the case because still there are um, creativity uh, that only human can have, at least at this point. Uh, uh, but for sure, there will be um, actions that the AI can take over. For instance, paralegal uh, audits, uh, uh, some graphical design, basic graphical design patterns. Even some basic code writing can be handled or testing uh, of a code can be handled by uh, AI. Um, that's the reason why we should see what is ethical and not. Uh, there were some discussions whether it's ethical for students in university to use GPT to create essays 
because why are they going to university if an AI can write the essay for them? So there should be some regulations. I don't think that putting a stop to innovation will um, cancel the uh, will uh, is the the solution, and um, uh, we need to have a smart innovation. You know, like for instance, uh, industrial progress led to the humanity where it is now. But think of what damage it did to the earth, and the pollution, and the fact that uh, global warming, and so on and so forth. So we need to um, learn from what we've done so all these years to the planet and apply it in such a smart way and ethical way in the technical domain as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Someone once said that uh, capitalism never allowed for pollution and that was one of its biggest faults and we're probably seeing yeah. that. So if we look to the next question, then particularly in your current specialist area, how do you see conversational AI and intelligent automation evolving in the years to come? And how would you like it to evolve? Because those could be two different things. Uh, so I think that everyone will have their virtual assistant. It can be one virtual assistant that knows everything. So instead of you going to HR or asking to register a leave request, the virtual assistant will do it for you. If you want to register a travel and expense, the virtual assistant will do it for you. If you need VPN access or a new office chair, the VA, the VA will create for you uh with all the automations in the back to make that task happen we'll order the chair for you we'll order the delivery we'll make sure that you got the chair and uh, um, change the different statuses in the back office system so i think that uh, all these tasks that are sometimes administrative but also sometimes operational can be, be uh, at least 80 percent automated which potentially could have a tremendous impact, as we were mentioning earlier on, around the ethics or maybe the impact of actually implementing uh, generative AI or gener conversational AI. It, the, but the plus side of this as well, Andrea, because we were talking in one of the previous episodes, we were talking about the healthcare industry, and we also talked about the legal industry. To have that virtual assistant beside you, though, could lead to tremendous productivity and tremendous accuracy. So in healthcare, medical professionals don't have time to learn all of the latest medical research. They don't have time to understand all of the impacts from drugs. Legal uh, professionals may not have all of the time in the world to learn all of the law and therefore may not be providing the best advice to their clients. Yeah. Both of those are kind of exciting and and kind of alleviate some of the impacts you mentioned earlier on because the quality of the virtual assistant could augment and assist a person to be far far better but when you're talking about the impacts here it does that mean there'll be less jobs for other people or what what other impacts are you thinking here that may be negative not those positive elements for for sure, I, I'm not sure if we, there will be less jobs, but there will be different jobs. Or uh, the, uh, you know, there was a, a profession in the past like a telephonist. When you're calling in a telephony central and they were redirecting your call, this job disappeared. 
or uh, the person that was staying in the elevator pressing the button for you. That job also disappeared. So probably there will be jobs that will be disappearing, but they will be reconverting. So that's the reason why people need to learn constantly, not to say, okay, I'm immortal, I, I, uh, my profession will not disappear, I'm a developer, I, I know everything. No, it, you need to learn all the time to keep pace with technology. And coming to your uh, patient's example, uh, we were discussing with a potential partner. They are producing um, or importing robots that are perform performing surgeries and the surgeon is coordinating the uh, robot's arms, but the precision is highly, much more than a, a human precision is. And the, the doctor needs real-time information about the patient's file, if he's allergic to some medicines uh, for the anesthetics and so on, in the surgery room. Or he needs to record real-time by voice what he notices during the surgery. I don't know, his blood pressure went up. We need to administer uh, adrenaline or something else. This should go into the patient file real-time uh, and uh, students uh, that are uh, coordinating, for instance, by the professor can have also real-time information about uh, how the surgery went and they can learn from real use cases. These types of profession where robots, physical robots, the ones that are performing surgery, conversational AI robots that are performing on behalf of the doctor are helping the doctor to get a better result during the surgery. And maybe it will save lives because it is a better quality of the medical services, a higher precision, the robots can take actions. Uh, it's not human, sometimes human error prone. Um, human have needs if there is, I don't know, 24 hours surgery, uh, it's, people get tired, robots don't. So this type or maybe they reduce the time a surgery uh, the duration of a surgery due to robots efficiency it's interesting that because i like the sound that i like as a pay, potential patient the accuracy and the quality and i never thought for a moment about all the different uses of the data outputs that could then be used to train others and the 24 7 facet of that as well the bit that i'm hoping personally is that over the decades we have seen that new technology advances have impacted jobs but they've actually created more jobs and more value so fingers crossed that is the yeah. case going forward but we do need to plan for it if i ask you the next question then uh, what's your advice for those looking for a career in ai both new female entrepreneurs like yourself and generally anyone who wants to get a career in ai you have to be prepared to learn a lot and to be willing to learn a lot so what, what, what would you say that they, they sh where do you think they should concentrate their learning? Is it on the ethical side of it? Is it a particular field within the AI industry? Is it particular programming languages? Is it get a general broad view so that they become as valuable and as useful in as many areas of AI as possible? I think they should have a broader view because uh, programming languages, even though I know Python uh, or um, uh, C++ or uh, other um, C-sharp uh, are the same, but 
you need to continuously uh, learn new algorithms to to keep pace with the uh, SDKs that appear, the the research that is having that is uh, um, that different research groups uh, carry. Then you need to reuse. Uh, not to reinvent the wheel because currently the, the the humanity is in a such a fast forward pace in innovation and there are so many research groups focusing on different AI, different AI fields and you need to be aware of what's on the market and to be agile enough in order to integrate to to reuse the the what others have developed for instance NLU and ChatGPT this NLU is a commodity you will you don't have to focus now in building your own NLU because ChatGPT is definitely the best in class. So you have to think of ways how to use ChatGPT in your platform, in your um, conversational AI platform, in order to uh, make it adaptable for the enterprise environment. Because currently it's more of a B2C. It's not controllable. The answers are not controllable in that they, they don't have the level of control that an enterprise in, environment would require. And you need to start different processes, different automations in order to make, to, to create a virtual assistant. So you need to be all the time up to speed with what is developed and um, be agile enough to integrate the developments because the first comer is the one that gets the market. I like that. I like that saying a lot. It shows you that someone said recently, I think it was a piece of research from Pearson Education inside Oxford University. We, The generation being born now could be the first to work to their 100. Now, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad mm -hmm. thing, but to your point, if that is the case or anywhere near, then we're constantly having to reinvent ourselves and to learn and learn and learn. Uh, Andrea, I, I do not doubt for a moment that you will have inspired a lot of people from all of the information you have given out today and from our interview. But if I ask you the final question, then, uh, do you have a favorite quote or motivational speech or motivational moment from your experiences to date or other leaders that you might share with the audience to motivate them to have as successful a career as you've had today? I actually, uh, I actually have two, uh, and I think there are, are um, in uh, let's say in, uh, accordingly to our reality now, uh, they are from Einstein. Uh, it takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move into the opposite direction. So you have to be bold, you have to be passionate in order to 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 move mountains and to reach your goals. And the second one, learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. The important thing is not to stop questioning. I think having listened to you today, you live by those quotes. <laughs> and having seen how successful you've become, I think that people would be wise to follow that inspiration as well. Thank you so much, Andrea. That was inspiring. And particularly considering it's a, a month where we want to empower women in technology, I think it's all the more inspiring as well that we've had a successful female entrepreneur describing the successes that you have had. I think that should inspire every sex over the next number of weeks, months and years. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Karen.
Thank you.